How sweet it is! Welcome back to the Hockey Podcast. This is a fan-run podcast about the Chicago Blackhawks, and we have plenty of things to discuss today. Uh, it's been about two months since our last episode, and many things about the Hawks have changed since then. My name is Tyler, and I am joined, as always, by my three co-hosts, Wally. Connor Bedard, you are a Chicago Blackhawk. You are a Chicago Blackhawk. Nick? The takeoffs were won by your Chicago Blackhawks. Absolutely. And John. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> yup. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes, indeed. Indeed, we did. After all that, after all the nonsense, after all the tank watching, after all the craziness, all the Athanasiu, all the Staylock, all the Stauber, all the Buddy Robinson, the Hawks finished third last in the league this season, and then they leapfrogged both Columbus and Anaheim to get the first overall pick. First, let's take it to initial thoughts for everyone, going over just, you know, the entire, the last, so last part of the season, last couple of uh, games, the last like 10 or so games, and then also, you know, going forward and what it looks like with Bedard now as a confirmed Blackhawk because we have the first overall pick and because, of course, they will be taking Connor Bedard even as much as I love Adam Fantilli. Wally, you first. Um, so last part of the season, obviously, probably didn't go to plan as what the Blackhawks management wanted to go as. Um they had a decent chance of finishing last, and they kind of they kind of blew it by winning, which we didn't want this season. Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. Um, I, I saw this tweet the other day, actually. Um, I think it was two days ago now. Um, so, anyways, um, so the point remains the same. The Blackhawks lose the game to the Penguins. They don't get Bedard. Um, Penguins do make the playoffs. The Bruins probably beat them. Toronto and Boston series devolves into chaos. Florida wonders if it made a mistake with hiring Paul Maurice, and Bobrovsky is still considered a negative. There's a lot there. Um, most of it, honestly, more so impacts the Panthers than everything. Anything? Um, I don't know. Did did they say anything about the fact that Brian Burke probably doesn't get fired? <laughs> that could also, yeah, yeah. Burke was still going to get fired no matter what. If I mean, but but like. Paul Maurice was definitely getting fired too, and then they went on a massive yeah. run. Paul Maurice was definitely gone. Definitely. Bill Zito was gone. They were both yeah. gone. They were definitely gone. But now they've gone to the conference finals and they're up two nothing, so that's not happening anymore, obviously. But I'm pretty sure they were like they were like th- three and a half limbs out the door. I mean, look at it. The Blackhawks created a monster in the Panthers. And we ended up getting Connor Bedard as a reward. And pick 19. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Panthers. Thank you, Toronto, especially. Oh, yeah. Dubas could actually still have his job, actually, too. I mean, depending on how the playoffs won and that alternate universe, if that somehow did happen. Would he still have his job after that interview? I mean, do they beat the Bruins? (laughs) Do we really think the Leafs would beat the Bruins, though? No, they won't. They would not have beaten the Bruins. I don't think. Yeah, I doubt it. 
So we're still at square one then with Dubas being. Who cares? Fired. We got Bedard. And <laughs> we just saw talking the... about the butterfly effect, Tyler. I just loved seeing the fact the fraudulent Boston Bruins getting their butts kicked in the playoffs because I was calling it ever since the Blackhawks beat them in the Madhouse that they're a bunch of frauds and they proved they were frauds in the playoffs. It was it was a weird run, but again, Connor Bedard. Yes, that's the main piece. Okay. Any more any more thoughts before we move into some other uh, couple things involving this? Um, I'll just touch on, I guess, the rest of the season, I guess. Just some stats I found interesting. Um, by 5v5 expected goals, the Blackhawks were the worst team offensively, bottom five defensively, and second worst overall, only behind the Ducks. Yeah. Um, and then by actual 5v5 goals, they were the worst team offensively, bottom five defensively, and third worst overall behind the Ducks and Blue Jackets. So, yeah, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. The team was not good at all this year. Um it was it was not good. I mean, but we never gave up. They did. They, they never gave up. They never gave Anaheim up. Anaheim Ducks actively losing on purpose each night. Didn't they lose thirteen in a row to end the season? The Ducks. We went on yes, some pretty bad lo- We went on some pretty bad losing runs as well. I mean, you could tell the Ducks were actively trying to lose each game at the end of the season. The Blackhawks played each of their games. Almost every night, they did not quit in any of their games, except for maybe one or two of them. But they played a lot stronger, and, well, they got rewarded, and the hockey gods rained down and gave us Connor Bedard. Yeah. I think the one thing there is that, you know, I don't, I will never accuse players and coaches of tanking because I don't I, I unless there's like actually like pretty clear evidence that it happened I don't think that those parts of the of, of teams do it it's not those parts of organizations that tank it's the GMs they're the ones that really are involved in that um it, it can't I think that when it comes to like you know the coaching staff I mean unless you're like actively choosing to like not play better players like starting worse goalies, benching good players for literally no reason. Not sure what really there is in terms of them, but you know, GMs obviously they make decisions for draft picks, they make decisions for salary cap space, taking on bad contracts. Um using 30% of the salary cap on LTIR. Uh thanks Arizona. Um but wasn't it Mason McTavish who was quoted earlier in the season saying he kept texting Bedard after the Ducks lost games? I mean, he's a kid. He's he's not. He's still a teenager. I know, but still, it's kind of suspicious when you go back in time where he was quoted kind of saying that. I don't know if he. Was, I guarantee you he was joking around saying that. He does. He he does know Bedard yeah. though. Like they played on World Junior teams right, together. They the played in the under eighteen. Give it to together. the Blackhawks. That's what I should. I think should happen. <laughs> hey, who cares? We got Connor Bedard. The Ducks didn't, mm-hmm. and that's the best thing for the Blackhawks in making this rebuild in a way they can set themselves up for success to build a team around one player. Yeah. Um, I want to go into a couple other things. Um, I think I first want to touch on some of the uh, nonsense of Lotto Knight from uh, some whiny, uh, whiny opposition fans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
There was there was a lot there. Now, I I will start here. I understand not liking the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. I understand it considering not just all the success, but also some of the controversy as of late. Mm-hmm. All of us will acknowledge that Stan Bowman and John McDonough and Joel Quenville have done some pretty awful things over the last, or, or or they did some pretty awful things back in 2010, and they covered up some pretty awful behavior. And that's not, and that wasn't okay, and there's a reason they're not here anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why none of them have jobs in the NHL right now. Good jobs in the NHL, but that's probably changing. I, I would I would hope so, but I don't think that I do believe that that it will change, and that's unfortunate. And that will be another team's problem. Not ours, though. It's not but, our fault. But people who are saying that the Blackhawks should have had their first round picks that would have been for last year, actually. Yeah, but the obviously the counter argument there is that they'd already traded that pick for Seth Jones. So they would move on to the next pick. Yeah. The investigation concluded in, I believe it was October. October uh, 2021. The the first report that came out from, I believe it was, I forgot which news station it was in Chicago, but it was a Chicago news station. It was May. Was in like early May. It was May. It was around... It was around the time of when that season ended, which was a shortened season, and it kind of ended in early May. Yeah. So it was like roughly two and a half months before the draft, which would have been two and a half months before the trade. Mm. Obviously, the report didn't come out until October, so Mm -hmm. make of that as you would. If if there was going to be picks on the table, it wouldn't have been that one. It would have been this 2023 pick, and it could have been even more beyond that because some people were like, oh, we got to take away all their first-round picks. It's like, okay... Let's remind ourselves of this. How many people would actually be saying the Hawks should have their first round pick stripped if they picked anywhere between three and five? Maybe like 10% of the people who are complaining now would Probably still be Probably 35% complaining? because people just hate the Hawks. It, it wouldn't be a lot of people. It would not be a lot of people, no. Uh, I think the, there would be way less involved there. And on top of that, I don't necessarily think that, especially when we're talking about like, People are talking about this like two years later. No one's remaining from that team. No one's there anymore. We literally just traded and told the last two players from that team that they're not coming back. And on top of that, there is no precedent in NHL history for using off ice conflicts that don't involve cheating. Because let's let's be clear here. There's a lot that happened there, but it wasn't cheating. And there's no precedent for off-ice, non-cheating misconduct resulting in the forfeiture yeah. of draft picks. No precedent for that in NHL exactly. history. Yeah. I think they should have been fined more, though. I think that's universally agreed upon. I, I would agree on that part. That's obvious. I would agree. That's, I think that's a little... That's obvious, yeah. They, they should be fined more money. Shouldn't be excused for what happened, because I think... I don't remember the exact details, but I think the PA kind of failed on its part, too. Oh yeah, they did as well. There was a lot. There was there was a lot of additional failures beyond oh. what the Hawks. But let's did. be honest, the league is probably happy the Hawks won this pick, especially with how much money they just made by season ticket sales. That goes towards revenue towards the league. Now with the Coyotes situation going on, it might be a more beneficial thing for the NHL. Disagree with that. I don't think the league wanted, if anything, like, 
for all the people that are like saying it's rigged or whatever, because we went from two franchise talents to like another generational talent, you would think that they would rig it for the Coyotes because then that brings all this bad press for all the Kyle Beach stuff to our. I know, but I'm not saying it like that. I wasn't saying the Haw- it was rigged to the Hawks. No, no, I'm just saying, like, I don't think the league want us to win at all. I think they were probably the last, we were, like, um, like all this bad press came up now, right? I don't think so either. With, all the, with the winning. So I, I don't think they wanted us to win at all. If anything, they would want the Coyotes to win it. Yeah, I don't, I, I actually do. I, I completely agree with John there. I think that, and I don't think that, the, I, I think that in a sense, the NHL isn't, I think that beyond, you know, you know, trying to save the Coyotes, which, like, the lottery odds certainly didn't allow that to happen. And now the Coyotes are screwed. That's besides the point. I don't think that they really... I think that if in this scenario is probably a bit negative for, you know, just the outlook of the NHL because it kind of looks like, oh, one dynasty and now they're ready for another. Ooh, whoop, whoop, yay. Even though, let's be honest, a dynasty won't be here for probably another four or five years. The Hawks... Won't aren't even close to playoff contention for another. They I could see the Hawks make the playoffs in three to four years and be cup contenders in four to five years. That's how I see it right now. And people are going to forget this. The Blackhawks last made the playoffs in 2017. Let's assume your timeline, which I think is a similar timeline to myself, which is the Blackhawks might make the playoffs for the first time in either 2025 sneak in or yep. 2026 probably wouldn't that 2025 would probably be out of the question if Bedard wasn't here. But now with him, you can probably say maybe they sneak in as a wildcard team that year. 2026, I think is now a realistic target. That was probably more of the sneak in target beforehand. That would be, um, nine, I believe nine straight years, excluding the awkward, uh, bubble year, which again, we basically were out of the playoffs until the Oilers gave us a lifeline. I, so I don't even really count that. Um, we were basically nine straight years of no playoffs in the in this scenario. Okay, yeah, we won a lot. We won a lot in the early, we won a lot in the early 2010s. Okay, yeah, we won a lot in the early 2010s. Sure, they've been awful for the last three to four years, and they're not going to be much better for the next two. They're basically in the time of last winning a playoff series, which was. Game six in 2015 Cup Final. That was the last time they won a playoff series. That's it. Then they they made the playoffs the next two seasons. No, you don't like talking about 2017 because of Trashville. <laughs> um, and then they Just made too that good one right now. Luke. Just too good right now. <laughs> yeah. And then they make that one fluke uh, playoff appearance in 2020. Uh, 20 for the bubble because they ended up putting 24 teams in the league. The Hawks being the 24th team in that season, it was the Hawks have been terrible for more than six years at this point. And now they're actually building a prospect core. They can build around Connor Bedard. They can build around Kevin Korchinski. They have players they are going to build around and get this team back on a stable position to compete in the NHL. They have not been a competitive team for years now. 
Absolutely. Um, so with that, I want to move into our next segment, which is kind of looking towards the future with Connor Bedard. So I want to ask all of you a question, and the question is about Bedard and ideal wingers for him going forward. And the two are a left winger and a right winger for both next season and the five years after. So I'm going to start Wally. Wally, do you have a winger duo for Bedard that you think would be like the perfect ideal fit for him for next year and then the beyond years? Looking at next year, I think Reichel has to be on one one of his sides. I just think it has to be. So pin him in on the left? Yeah. Um, and there were a few names that I was looking at um, like a couple days ago. One of the names that popped into mind in terms of free agency this year I was just looking at it. Miles Wood kind of makes sense. He kind of fits what the Blackhawks want. They want speed. They want competitiveness. He, he has some skill, and he's also gritty. I think that could be someone that you could have up in the top six. Um, but you could also look within. I think Taylor Radish could also be an option there, too. And yep. maybe you look to bring back one of Max Domi or Athanasiu, too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what are you looking at for, like, the the beyond like the next the five year next five years yeah I mean I think Reichel probably is still on one of the sides um, I haven't really looked at the free agency classes in the upcoming years so I can't really speak to that um, I don't really know who would be on the other side though to be honest I mean like we don't the wingers in our system aren't the greatest if we're being completely honest um, you could maybe look at someone if we draft a winger. This year, at 19, maybe, depending on who they draft. Um, but I haven't really looked too far down the line, to be honest. Um, but I think Reichel is definitely going to be on one of those wings. All right. Nick? Reichel for being on one of those wings, uh, especially at the left wing. A player I've looked into, this um, free agency class, I could see the Hawks try and go after is um, a potential of JT Comfer from the Avalanche, who does play Ooh. both center and right wing. I feel like a player like Comfer with Reichel and um, Bedard on one line could be a solid pairing because Comfer p- knows how to play with players with speed and skill, like uh, with him playing with uh, McKinnon and so many good players on the Avalanche. I could see that uh, Hawks try and go after the Chicago native and mm. JT Comfort because I feel like he would work in a Richardson-style system because I feel like the Hawks are trying to build their roster somewhat similar to how the Avalanche have um, built with skill, of speed, and kind of a little bit of grit because they've had grit on their team. I could see the Hawks try and go after a player like Comfer, and it might actually work out. I like the idea of Comfer. I hadn't thought of that one before. I totally forgot he was a free agent, but I actually really like that one. Um, any thoughts on like a long-term option? We Do you think we have one right now, or do we need to go get one? I think they do need to go after one maybe uh like how wally said go after someone and with our second first round pick this year hell they could try and flip it to move up with a couple of our many of our fourth of our second rounders this year try and package those together to get back into the top 10 it might be a smart move to look into it it might it's going to be difficult with how deep this draft is but if the hawks see someone in the draft that they know 
won't be at there at 19, try and get into that um, um, top 10 position to help them solidify a good winger for um, Bedard. All right, John? Give me this question. I just went full fever dream mode, and so I got Reichel and Besser for this year, and the next year I got Reichel and Nylander. Yep. William Nylander? Next year. Okay. Not this season, next season. That's interesting. Um, That's an interesting one. Uh, I think that when it comes to this, uh, this duo that you're looking at here, I think that when it comes to Bedard, he's great at so many things, but what he isn't mm-hmm. is big. He doesn't have size. And I think that obviously that can be that can be fine. We've seen smaller players work in the NHL, especially guys with his speed and his freaking shot. Like, oh my goodness. So he has he has the intelligence, he has the speed, he has the shot, but he doesn't necessarily have the size. So I think that pairing him with someone with size would be ideal. I think that you can sacrifice a little bit on the left wing, which is where I have Reichel, I think that everyone agrees with that because I think that he's the best, he's the most talented um, for NHL ready forward prospect that we've got outside of Bedard by like a mile. Um, and then on top of that, I think that with him as well, you know, like we saw him at center a bit. They tried it for a while. It wasn't necessarily working. Keeping him on the wing going forward is where he felt a lot more comfortable. It seemed like he was able to create more. So keeping him there, I think, is a good idea. And then on the right, I've been looking at Alex Kalord for the last like six months. Or an I think that option. that's that's the one that I've been that's the one I've just been looking at. I'm like, this makes so much sense. You've got Bedard, who will, who's a goal scorer. You've got Reichel, who's going to look to distribute, and then you've got Kalorn, who's physical. He's got leadership. He's got cup winning mentality he's a guy that he, that players will look up to he's been a veteran leader he's worn an alter he's worn a letter on the tampa bay lightning in the recent history and that's a team that's won two cups and made it to two other uh cup finals in the last 10 years so you pair that guy on the right wing there he'll win puck battles he'll be physical he'll be able to distribute plays and he's, and we know he can score. We know he can score in a system paired with other guys who are more skilled than him. So I think that that's an option for him. And then moving forward, um, I don't necessarily know if it's the perfect fit, but I just want Gavin Brindley so badly, man. Adam, I've been- <laughs> Wally, Wally, Wally and I have been talking. I've been talking about this guy for years. I saw him first at the World Juniors, and I just kept watching him at Michigan when I was watching Fantilli. I've been talking about this guy for years. I've been talking about so, so long. I just want Gavin Brindley to get drafted. I've been looking 19. at him, actually. I just like, want when we got so 19, badly. When we got 19, so I'm badly. like, all right, where's Gavin Brindley going in all these mock drafts? If he if he's available at nineteen, I just want him right now. <laughs> like, do Please. we run up to the t- like to the thing and just say, Gavin Bruno, you're a Chicago Blackhawk, and then just make sure we get it in? It was, but the problem is that I've been down this road before, and it was with Fabian Liesel at twelve. Oh, and then they traded that <laughs> pick for Seth Jones. To be fair, Kyle Davidson wasn't the GM then, and we weren't prioritizing yeah. speed as much and whatever. So I, I think. We weren't prioritizing anything. <laughs> because, I mean, like, Mike Donaghy, like, when he was asked on uh, CHGL the other day um, about Brinley, and he said the first thing that pops into his mind is he's super fast, and that's what we're looking for. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they take him at 19. 
He's he's tenacious. He's got a great shot. Does he make it there though? I've seen a lot of mocks that want him to be a lot lower than that, okay. and I've seen mocks with that too. But like, I just know he's I, really I don't good. understand it. I think he's I personally value him in the top 15. He's short, that's the only thing, and he's a little older, but that shouldn't be that much of concern when he played as well as he did in college. So... How old is he? He's eight... Well, he turns 19 in early October. He was, he's an, he was an, he was an yeah. older first... He was an older yeah. draft-eligible yeah. player. Which I... Yeah, he turns 19 but still when? at the same time. Early October. Okay, that's not too bad. Yeah. Not bad at all. Yeah, it's like, it's an, it's an older... It's an older guy. In that older draft year. What is your guys' thoughts on Andrew Crystal uh, from Kelowna? We don't take him. They're not drafting him, but I like him. I mean, I he's, I he's know Bedard and Crystal actually kind of grew up with each other, and he is a right winger. It might be an interesting option. Is he not? It's the problem with him is the skating, right? Yeah, and he's short. If he actually is available, like at pick thirty. At like pick thirty five, mm-hmm. I think we have pick thirty. I think I think we have pick thirty five. Yeah, he's so actually I think... available at thirty five. I think I think you I think you say screw the screw the skating concerns. Just be, be like it like it's it's thirty five. It's pick thirty five. Like that that's a, we have thirty five. We have forty four. We have fifty one and fifty five. But let's be honest, not all those picks are going to stay with the Hawks. No. they're going mm-hmm. to try and do something mm-hmm. to package no. to move back into the first round or try and move up into mm-hmm. the top 10 again. Or get a wing or something, top six winner potentially. I think that that would be, that'd be good. I see the blueprint as what the Kings did a couple years ago when they acquired Victor Arvidsson. Uh, speaking of which... One of the players I put on my on my ideal line mates. I get it. I don't know if LA is ready to... I don't know if LA wants to move off of him yet, which is why I was thinking which is why I was thinking that, but maybe maybe he's maybe he's on the way out. They said they wouldn't want to move him for cap space. Oh, okay. That's what uh, Friedman, Friedman said it. Yeah. There's reports the Kings are wanting to dump some cap space and it sounds like Victor Arvidsson might be on that list. That would be fun. Because, like, he wasn't a... He was a 30-goal scorer not too long ago, like, a few seasons ago. Yeah, it was... Yeah, no, I've, I mean, I mean, I've always, I've always hate liked Victor Arvidsson. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's on Nashville. Um, but with that, uh, that's, that's going to be mostly everything in terms of the NHL discussion. Um, I think that we have, I don't know how much else that we have to, to discuss in terms of like the NHL talk. Um, I think that just maybe a quick recap on a couple guys. I think that Seth Jones had a really good end of the season. I think that he performed a lot better. I think Caleb Jones actually played really well towards the end of the year, playing next to his brother. It seemed like he really improved. Caleb did play well at the end of the season. Um, I felt like Murphy Murphy also played pretty well once uh, Tenorti came back into the lineup. Once you pair Murphy with Tenorti, somehow that actually works pretty well. And who knows if Murphy's still going to be here because there has been a lot of talk over the last few years with Murphy getting potentially moved oh i have a question what's up and i've been thinking about this for some time i put it in the in the twitter group chat but no one responded because it was like a paragraph long and so i have to ask is this season more successful than we could have ever ever imagined we got first overall we got a hall of picks it looks like we found the guys at head coach and gm 
Reichel performed well in limited action. Vlasic and Phillips looked like looked to be solid demon. Soderblom got quality starts in before he fell off because he wasn't ready yet. Gutman looked good and compete level was insane. Like I'm probably missing some stuff that was like unexpected, but I only expected three of those things to happen. I think Seth Jones rebounding as well towards the end of the year is a big thing as well. Because right. whether he's here for the long haul or he's eventually eligible or eventually he wants to move on, um, reg- either either situation, the good news is that go- him playing well is good for us because his contract is here, it's long as hell, and it's important that he's not seen as a negative asset around the league. It's like everything went right this season. A lot went very right this season. I think the only thing I would say is I'm not so sure I agree with the Soderblom development angle. I think that he, I think it took a, it, at towards the end of the year, he started to turn it around, but I would like to see more there. I'm not, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree that it was a perfect situation in terms of Soderblom's development. No, I know I'm saying it was. I'm just saying he got quality starts before he fell off. Speaking of Soderblom, though, he did just sign a new contract, which very team friendly. <laughs> yes, that was very good. We need to sign a goalie. We need to buy out. Mrazic I don't think they'll buy out Mrazic because it's the final year of his deal. But I feel like they will sign another goalie this off season because we know Mrazic goals is growing every year. Give me Varlamov. That'd be sick. I'm pa- I'll, I'll be pounding the table for Varlamov, mm-hmm. even it's though I have no say. Because you have Camesso and Stauber in the AHL. If, do you really want to run three goalies down there? I don't know if you do. No. That's why I'm saying buy them out. Buy a, a, do you a want, but more importantly, do you really want to run three goalies who you all view as well, I, potential I NHLers? Soderblom and, I mean, Soderblom and Mrazek in the NHL, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then you have Camesso and Stauber. In the AHL. That's how I see mm-hmm. it happening. But yeah. I feel like they do need to sign maybe a veteran goalie just just in case purposes. You could maybe give him a two-way contract. If you throw him on waivers, he probably doesn't get claimed. And then he could be like the new um, Anton Hudobin. But the thing I have that with, yeah. the problem I have with that is if Mrazic gets hurt, which he probably will oh, be. Oh, he most li- definitely will because it's Mrazic. Soderblom's going to be getting the, the buttload of those starts. I would prefer, if we are able to trust that we can sign another goalie who doesn't get broken as much and is actually like good and can make Soderblom a quality backup this year and can give him backup minutes, not starter minutes. I don't want him thrown to the wolves too fast. If we have that trust in that situation, then I would like to see Mrazic bought out. Money to do it. They can do it. It doesn't matter because they'll just pay him this year and next, the year following. So if they want to buy him out and sign a goalie, go for it. Because it might be a smart move no matter what happens. Because anything happens with the Hawks, they have to get to the cap floor in the first place. If you're paying Mrazic to do nothing, you're paying Mrazic to do nothing. Trade for Josh Bailey. I would I would I would do that. <laughs> Trade for Josh Get Bailey, please. <laughs> for taking on a cap space, I would do it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Man fell off this year. I don't know. Is he how. like done? Like does he, he does he not play or like is he playing? Oh he plays. Okay. He plays. He's not Voracek. He's not on LTIR. He's not If he was on LTIR, the Coyotes would no, he's hel- get Josh Bailey. Right. 
Yeah. He's he's healthy, but he just, he just fell, fell off. off. Okay. He's like 35. That's not surprising. Anything else in terms of NHL players? Um, I, I liked how Gutman performed in the NHL. Gutman like was that. playing until he got his Kurchev injury. disappointed again. I of. wouldn't say Kurchev disappointed. Well, kind of. Like I want. Like I'm not saying he did. I wanted. Bad. I wanted more. I'm just from saying. Kurushev. Like I wanted more. Like what Tyler's saying. I want. I wanted more from Kurushev. His analytics are actually disastrous. Like, like they're like, like his analytics are genuinely like among some of the worst in the entire NHL. And when you watch him, when you watch him play, like we were, we were talking about it at the earlier in the season where like it looked like he was everywhere, and then he got moved up the lineup, and then that kind of just he's ended. way too inconsistent. That's the problem. Like, didn't he start off really good? It's not just inconsistency in his point production. It's also inconsistency in the other elements of his game. Like, sometimes he looks like a lost puppy when he's when he's forechecking, and sometimes he looks like he knows what he's doing. He also had a bottom five. He was also bottom five in the league this year in plus Yeah, plus. I saw that. Is Kershev's, uh qualifier? Uh, I think it's seven seventy-five k. Yeah, you pick that okay. up. You pick that up. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll be he'll be back. I think that he, he he's he's going to be back. That's not the question. They're going to raise. I think they have to pay him. Yeah, he he'll get a it's raise. Not, it's not like we're strapping no, that's for cash. So it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. The players I feel like that don't get qualified. To be quite honest, it's going to be Ian Mitchell. Yes. yes, please. Uh, I could see Caleb Jones not get qualified, but I maybe think, they I think you gotta maybe. let him go. Maybe personally, he's a weird one. I yeah. don't like him this year. He's a weird one. I think that with Caleb Jones, the thing that with him is just that he played well towards the end of the year, playing with his brother. I don't know if he's someone who you even view as like a short-term defensive partner for Seth. I don't even know if you view him as a short-term option. I think you put Vlasic with with Seth. That's what I would do. I would as well. I would as Need well. Need to open and, up D spots for the young guys who are ready to. And with them bringing job. back to Nordy, I think that you you got to view that as like someone's got. He's not go. coming back. It's probably England. Oh no, he's England's not, not coming, coming back. back. I think England. I think England is Sweden bound. Oh yeah. Oh, like Galvis. <laughs> Wally, what was your thoughts? I know you loved Galvis so much. It made sense for him to do that because there were no spots left for him. I mean, when you have, I mean, Del Mastro and Allen, Kaiser, I mean, all of them are going to be pro next year. There's no space. Right. Yeah, that is true. And it could, and and there's even like the slight possibility Korchinski as well. Oh, yeah. The AHL eligible? No, he's not. Korchinski? No, no, no. no. Korchinski's not. No, he'll be at the World okay. Juniors next year if he's not in the NHL. If Korchinski does make opening night roster, I only give him the nine game tryout and then send him right back to Seattle so he can be the captain of the Seattle Thunderbirds, roll the WHL again, and not get thrown out there in the NHL. And then you're screwed. Can't send him down to Rockford. Just let him play one more year of juniors. I think it's the best opportunity for him. I'm just going to say it. If he goes back to the WHL, I think he gets traded in there. He could. Because Seattle's losing most of their good players. Mm-hmm. They're going... Like Gunther's, like, like Gunther's gone. Um, Allen's gone. Lambert, right? Doc is gone. 
um, Lambert probably is just going to go back to the AHL next year. Um, and then with some of the other guys they have, they're, they're going to lose a lot of players. And we saw what happened with the Oil Kings this year. They had this fantastic team last year, and then they blew it all up, and they were one of the worst teams in WHL this year. I think that I think uh, Kevin Korchinski is going to get traded. See it, but I just feel like Seattle. It will be smarter to not risk a year of development of Korchinski up in the NHL, mm-hmm. where he's just getting basically manhandled out there where he could get stuck in the mud and not look good at points. He could look amazing in games, but I feel like it might be the better opportunity. Give him a nine game tryout. And if he really outplays in that nine game tryout, fine. Just keep him up. If he doesn't let him go back to Seattle. Absolutely. Um, so I think that that we're kind of already shifting into some prospect talk and some Rockford talk as well. So um, I think with that, let's shift over to the Rockford playoffs this year. Um, Glasses. They don't deserve them. <laughs> yeah. They don't deserve Okay. Them. So if you saw by any chance the previews that John and I did helping out Nick on his YouTube channel, Involving, um, you know, just the the two playoff series that the uh, that the Ice Hawks had, including as well the um the the recaps that he was doing as well on his own. You would have seen that the Ice Hogs had a pretty good qualifying round in the first round against the um they won in two games against Iowa, and then they went to the Texas Stars where uh, they just did not perform, and we were all wrong, and that was definitely that was definitely a homerism. Yes, they were... That Texas series, the Ice Hawks were flat-out horrendous. And speaking of Texas, they just lost to Milwaukee, so Milwaukee's moving on. Um, The second straight year, we were swept, or we sweep the first round series, and then we get swept the very next round, so that's fun. Yeah. One of the things I have to say about Rockford. Reichel. Reichel. He was hurt. He was hurt. Was he? Yeah, that, it was reported. I think the real question is, like, I get it. I get, like, he was hurt, but at the same time, it's okay to shut him down. Yeah. He did enough this year. The Calder Cup doesn't matter that much. Well, like he, he got hurt in game two against Minnesota, or Iowa, sorry. Um, I, I just wanted to... I just wanted to preface it that he wasn't like it wasn't like the first game. Ever ever since like it was announced that like he got hurt on or he that he was hurt on Twitter, I've been trying to think of like what happened in game two because I don't remember hearing anything on the radio broadcast that like he was down and injured. Well, Oliola said it was a minor injury, so it's nothing to yeah. worry about. So it was but... yeah yeah. So I don't, I don't have a problem with him playing. I think he should have been shot. But he down. wasn't good. No, he wasn't good. No, he wasn't good. Um, he had one goal in five games. You need more from your best player. One goal in the final twenty six seconds of the yeah. season. Yeah. Garbage. I mean, ball. Isaac Phillips was our best. Well, not Vlasic. not Isaac Phillips. Sorry, Alex Vlasic was our best player. Five five assists in five yeah, he games. He was so good. Yeah, he was so good. Yeah. He was he was he was our top point producer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it was. I'm really excited for Vlasic going Sini. forward. 
And then I yeah, think it was good. Gust up there too. I like Wipen okay. a bit too in the three games that he played. Wipen was very good. I'm so excited for Wipen. Mm, Snipe and Lipen. Snipe and Lipen will be fun next year. The tale of the two Arvid Soderblooms in the AHL playoffs. So, I mean, I think that he was kind of just like a microcosm of everything else. Yeah. Everything else fell He was apart. good in Iowa, and then he was bad in Texas. Kind of like for everybody. <laughs> Yeah, he. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much how much difference there truly was in terms of like. I mean, we were just outplayed in every aspect of the of the game oh, of yeah. hockey, of the game of puck. We were outplayed. <laughs> yes, absolutely. What were like? It was like a shot difference. I mean, it was twenty twenty six shots he faced, twenty nine shots he faced, and forty shots in the three games against Texas. In the two games against Iowa, he faced 29 and 31. I don't think Sodablum did all too bad. No, he wasn't in... terrible. I'm not saying he's terrible. I don't think I don't think he was all that bad in those playoff games. He just it wasn't, wasn't like, good. It wasn't good enough. But yeah. again, nothing else was good enough. They only scored like they, they only scored six goals in those three games. Right. Yeah, it was not good. Austin, um, Philp, and Reichel all kind of disappeared. If I'm being completely honest. The only one who really showed up was uh, Rocco. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rocco. Rocco Romaldi was great. And he's still showing up in the World Championship. Yeah. Does he have two goals already? He does. They should bring him back, but I don't think they're going to, unfortunately. We will bring him back. I don't think it's happening, but I want it to happen. Um, yeah, all right. Um, and with that, uh, I think we're going to move on to some prospect talk. So I've been starting my prospect watching. Uh. I'm going to get more done over the next couple of uh, months of the, of the summer. Um, I have two games logged right now. I have a Gavin Hayes game, and then I have an Ethan Del Mastro game. I really like Ethan Del Mastro a lot. I'm actually very impressed by what I saw. Um, and then in the Gavin Hayes game, I watched a game where he didn't really put up a bunch of points in the playoffs. Uh, he kind of went invisible in the playoffs. Um, two points in seven games. He's very similar to, like... Yeah, he's very similar to, like, I kind of see a lot of Radish there. Okay, I can deal with the Radish. It's not terrible for a third-round pick. I, can, I, I like Radish. I see, I see a lot of Radish there, but I don't know, but I'm not seeing, like, I can't say that I think, like Radish, I don't see the ceiling beyond, like, the sixth best forward on a team, or seventh best forward on a team. I don't see, I don't see anything beyond there. I see him as, like, a one-timer threat almost exclusively. And like, sometimes I think he gets in the way of his of his team. I I think he struggles to really know like which side he's on at times. I don't know he's the most physical. I'm not the I'm not the biggest fan of Gavin Hayes's. I know he put up I know he put up the most points of any prospect that we have this year. I'm not the biggest fan. Well, I was doing like the stat line, the box score watching for all of our prospects. Uh, I have learned that Illuminati is real. Colton Dock and Kevin Korczynski have the exact same stat lines. It is really weird. In 19, in 19 games, they both have three goals and 11 assists for 14 points. It's really weird. I'm looking forward to watching Ryan Green more because from what I've seen, I've actually been quite impressed. I just need to, see, I need to actually like get more views. He probably goes back to college, right, Ryan Green? Oh no, he is. Oh, definitely, hundred percent, hundred percent. He's he's a deep, he's he's in his uh, deep. He's he's a younger guy. He's an older. He was an older draft pick, but 
he's still got probably one, maybe two more years in college, similar to Vlasic. Gavin Hayes will go back to junior. Savoie will go back to junior. Korczynski will back, go back to junior. And um, uh, Ludwinski will go back Unless to junior. Unless Korczynski makes the team, which is a possibility. Unless Korczynski makes the team. Yeah. And then along with that, and then along with that, Nazer's going to go to back to college. Renzel is going to go to college. Um, Doggin and uh, Allen are going to the round for Mastro. And Del Mastro, my guess. And Kaiser. Mm, yeah. Yeah, we'll see with Kaiser. He might actually Andrew Kaiser. Kaiser's a Kaiser is yeah. a camp battle. I think he's one who could who who in, could compete in for Chicago? a spot. Kaiser yeah. Kaiser oh, Phillips. Okay. I think that Kaiser and Phillips are guys. Kaiser Phillips. Um, other guys there. I think those are guys who could compete for spots to make the team. Kind of proved himself in his stint up in Chicago at the end of the season to really battle for a spot in the opening night roster next year. So Sarla too. Sar Sarla as well in Rockford. Oh yeah. I'm going to say I've been on hyping him up a little bit, but <laughs> Oh, you have. We we have our WHL champions, a very very impressive season for the trio. Yeah, they, they were they were very good. Uh, I think all they were outstanding. Actually put double digit um, points up in the playoffs, which I mean is a little surprising from Allen, considering he wasn't great in terms of point production for Seattle. But two goals, eight assists. Yeah, he he was pretty good in the playoffs. Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and on a similar line, I was surprised how much Delmastro scored in the OHL as well. How many points did he score? I didn't get to Delmastro. He had fifty nine and fifty two. All right, damn. 38 what about playoffs? 30. Uh, he had 10 assists in 16 games. Okay, that's not too bad. No. Yeah. Um, but no, I was I really liked what I saw when I watched um when I watched that Dell Master game. Um really uh I think that actually probably I think the the most underrated part of his game, he never missed a breakout pass. He never missed a breakout pass. His passing, his 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 simple sturdy passing game was freaking perfect. What does he project to be player wise? Comparables. He projects as like what you want Nikita Zadorov to be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like easier to play Zdorov. better than Zadorov, I guess. He's like the ideal Zadorov. Knows how to use his body. He reminds but... me of. I mean, he looks like. He's like, I mean, I see, I see, sim, I mean, he's similar to Caden Gooley in a lot of ways as well. Who else, what other prospects do we have that, like, won things? Oh, Victor Hrumborg. Victor Hrumborg. He, he won, won the, the, the SHL championship. And he actually got first star of the game in the final game. I think he had a goal and an assist. Yeah, he really started to, like, get actual, like, ice time in the SHL towards the yeah, end. Yeah, he was upwards of, like, I mean, I could... I think he played 20 minutes. I mean, the games did go to overtime, but I believe he did play a few games over 20 minutes. Yeah, he had two games over 20 minutes. Is he usually a bottom six guy? Yeah, he projects as a bottom six I'm guy. I'm very sure. excited for what he can do in the SHL next year. I think that next year... I think that there was a point where we were like, okay, is Sarla going to explode in the SHL? Never really came. Maybe next year's the year for Hamburg. We'll see. Hopefully he gets more of a, like, maybe, like, third-line role because he was primarily fourth-line or 13th forward this year. 
So yeah, and then um, I think that oh. that's I think that's everything for like guys like like players who like had won championships in our in our prospect. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, Savoy went pretty far with um, with uh, Gatineau, but they I think they lost in the conference championship. And I mean, this McHugh. guy didn't win anything, but Frank Nazar did okay. Oh no, they he did. They won the they won the Big Ten tournament. Okay, well, he made it. Yeah, yeah, they won the Big Ten okay, tournament. Okay, so Frank Nazar did good. Thirteen games played. Seven and so points. did and and so and so did and so did definitely please Chicago Blackhawk Gavin Brindley. Did BU did make the Frozen Four, right? I think I think oh Boston yeah, University did win the um uh they won they they won they won hockey. Yeah. So that's Camasso and they won Green. Won hockey. So Camesso and Green did win the Hockey East as well. So I do have Camesso's stats here. In 34 games, he had a 2.46 goals against average, 9.13 save percentage, and he was 24 and 8. He's been very consistent in college. In the playoffs, in the playoffs, he wasn't too good, but that was only one uh, game. He's been he's he's been like ew. like his season to season stats are very consistent, but his game to game it could vary. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> Like, his game is his game to game stats are up and down and up and down and up and down. Like I think there was that ga- playoff game two years ago where he gave up like six goals. Yeah. <laughs> and then there were mul- there were multiple game he gave up four. there were multiple games this season where he gave up like five goals hey, plus. Don't blame Camesso on that loss. He he actually was what kept the Boston U Terriers in that game. Oh no, I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying, like, just looking at his stats. He was the only the game, one that they aren't very. He was good, the only. I'm not blaming Player him. that showed up for the. Uh, for I'm not Boston. blaming him. I'm, nah. it's far from blaming. He's, him he's got plenty. He's got plenty of games this year yeah. where he's allowed more than four goals. So we just need to get consistency down. Which oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, our coaching staff can do. Perhaps. I want to add. I want to. I want to go on to one thing here. Because we have WHL champion, which of yes. course means we have Memorial Cup. We have we have Hawks prospects in the Memorial Cup. So the Memorial Cup is, is. going to be, I believe, it's in Kamloops this year. Yeah. I think it's in Kamloops, which of course I think that that's part of the reason why um, why the why the Blazers traded four firsts and like ten other draft picks for Olin Zellweger. <laughs> Because they're like we're in the and Memorial make Cup, the Memorial Cup. So, so, so because they because they get in the Memorial Cup as hosts, they're like we're a really good team. Let's go get this beast right over here, and then let's just go blitz the Mem Cup. And they're like, okay, they didn't win the WHL championship, but at least they're in. They knew they were in the Memorial Cup, so they're like, screw the future. Let's just trade all of our picks for Ozelager. First team, you automatically make it. Yes. It's weird. That's it's weird. Kamloops it is really Seattle weird. Seattle in the uh, first round of the Memorial Cup. I know Quebec made the I don't Memorial know exactly. Cup. The Memorial Cup, but I'm uh, yeah. They won the Q. It was yeah. they won the Q. I think so. The Ramparts the, on the game queue. for to determine the OHL was still playing. The last I checked, and it was London versus. Okay, pull that up. I have the schedule. I think, yeah, I have the schedule. So it's okay. Oh, the Pete's the Peterborough so Pete's just won tonight. There's your it doesn't give me the team. Kamloops, Seattle, uh, Peterborough, um, and Quebec. Who's on Peterborough? They have Owen Beck, don't they? I know Beck is on that team for sure. Is Pat Pasta Jov or however you say his name on that team still? 
No, Pashajov okay. is on Sarnia. Um, Chase Stillman, Tucker Robertson. Chase Stillman. Oh, oh Chase Stillman. Gavin Hayes' brother Avery is on the team. Oh, yes, Avery Osman Hayes. Okay. Oh, right. Othman, they traded for, kinda, they traded for Othman. Like, kind of did not do very well um, once, like, at the deadline. I think they actually kind of struggled. Okay, so they got so they got John Randall Avon, Sam McHugh, Owen Beck, Connor Lockhart, um, Avery Hayes, Chase Stillman, Brennan Othman. Um, I oh Brian Zanetti. Okay, I know that defenseman. Um, I don't know any of their defensemen besides one. Never heard of any of them except for one guy. That's weird. But they have some good firepower offensively, and I don't know who their goalie is. But okay, they won the OHL. So. You guys, I mean, I know we don't really cover junior hockey that much, but you think that Seattle has what it takes? They beat Kamloops already. I think they do it again. I think Kamloops is probably the second best team there, if I'm being honest. Like, it's not, not particularly close for me. See Seattle going through, going on a run and winning the Memorial Cup, knocking on wood for the Blackhawk prospects in it. I don't really watch junior hockey, so... Um... I say yes because extreme bias. The uh, ability to watch a Memorial Cup because I that is a fun tournament to watch if you have a chance if you're able to. Yeah. Okay, so the Quebec Ramparts, um who've they got? It looks like they've got um oh Teo Rochette. Okay. James James Malatesta, Zach Zach Bullduke, okay. Uh Nathan Gaucher. All right. Uh, Justin Robida, um, Evan Naus, uh, Jeremy Longlaw. Okay, so they actually okay they have some good players there. Um, especially with uh, so they've got Nathan Gaucher. Um, Nathan Gaucher, Zach Bolduke. That's those are some good players there. Um, I think the best player in the entirety of the Memorial Cup is still probably Zellweger. I think Stan Coleman's yeah. probably up there too. Oh, yeah, Stank, too. Um, Gaucher is probably going to pop off. Oh, actually, Gunther. Gunther might. Yo, no, actually, so, no, 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 no. It's yeah. Dylan Gunther. It's it's yeah. all Dylan Gunther, okay? Dylan Gunther's the best player in the Memorial Cup. Um, I think that the Peets are going to get crushed. Oh, yeah. That team does not does not stand up to the rest of these teams. And the Peets are going to get crushed, especially their their struggles. I just don't know if – I don't know if the stats back it up, but their defensive – Roster doesn't look good, and I don't know who their goalie is. Now, I would say the Q usually does really well in these tournaments, yeah. though. Yeah, they do. I'm gonna my prediction is going to be um I'm gonna say Quebec beats Seattle in the final. I I'm not exactly sure how the like it gets set up. Um, so that's part so of so I think the way that I think the way that it is is that it's a it's a group phase. Okay. And then two plays three, mm-hmm. and then the winner plays okay. one. So Ford's automatically out of it, okay. Round robin. Two group stage first to determine who gets what seed, I guess. I think is how it's done. So yeah, so you get so you get the round robin. So each team plays each other once, then two versus three, and the winner plays mm-hmm. one. Yeah, so that's how that works. Just in terms of just in ter- just in terms of uh, anything else, anyone else have Mem Cup predictions? I'll say Seattle over Quebec. I mean, 
Seattle goes undefeated. Uh, Seattle, Quebec. Okay. John? Seattle, Quebec, because I don't know how it works. All right, yeah, I'll take Quebec over Seattle. Boom. Okay. He hates Blackhawk prospects. <laughs> yeah, just to be different. Look, the Q, the Q just blitzes these things sometimes. That is true. Why, though? Even though the Q, even though the, even though the Q is like, league. which is weird because the Q is like the worst league in terms of like projecting future success, and yet they do really well in junior hockey. Who is the best? Like, the which OHL. league is the best? The OHL, OHL usually. I think that they're we. I don't think that they're best. They're, they're sending their best team though this year. At everything. Um. So Blackhawks associate GM Jeff Greenberg was approached by the Penguins to actually interview, but the Blackhawks denied it. Um, I just wanted to get everybody's thoughts on that. Um, I think that keeping Greenberg would be good just because we're building something here. And I think that with the group that we've got, I would like for that group to be can, would have some continuity moving forward. Um, so I think that any sort of front office changes, considering that we just changed the front office about a year ago, I think that trying to change more things in the front office going forward, not really going to help. I also don't necessarily know if I think that Jeff Greenberg would, I think that NHL team entrusting a guy who's been mostly in baseball for the last like 15 years, entrusting him to be like the head honcho after just one year working in hockey necessarily the best vote of confidence for a fan base penguins are owned by the red sox so it does make sense on why they wanted him well yeah and we know that with fenway sports group they're very analytical we've seen it with the red sox we've seen it with liverpool they're probably trying to bring that to the penguins as well it's also born in the pittsburgh area and i know it's not it's not the same obviously i mean he he was also in the pirates front office too i think for what that's worth. Um, so, but I do think the Blackhawks made the right choice in denying it. Um, Cause yeah, if the systems were built already, I don't think it would be as big of a deal, but Davidson said that they're like last year that it's going to take years to build is what it seemed like. Um, I think, I think they made the right choice and I'm sure they asked him too, if, if he was okay with, with that, I don't think they would just flat out, say, no, you're definitely not going to get to interview for this. I'm sure they talked to him. For this yeah, life-changing yeah. job. They they most definitely asked yeah. him before. Yeah, All right. Um, so while we point this out, and I'm surprised I, like, while I was building my notes for this episode, I'm surprised I remembered it. Um, the trend of the team with the third best odds winning the draft lottery every four years since 2015 continues. Mm, that's fun. That's fun. And I now, interesting. I guess I guess it's also worth mentioning, we have a lottery victory now under our belt, which costs for the next five years, we can only have one more. So it's Celebrini, then there's no Miso allowed. Question then. If you're last. I know what you're, I know, I know you're going to ask, I don't know the answer. So you don't know if the the question if we're last and I, we get it is that a win? I'm gonna say that the answer. Sh- I'm gonna say it should be. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. I believe that that should be a yes. 
but I don't think it is, and I can't guarantee it. It counts from my understanding, but don't quote me on that. Is that it dumb? Is dumb? Yeah, it's dumb. It is d- if, it's if, dumb. If it is, in fact, not a win, then yes, it is dumb. Well, the New Jersey and uh, Edmonton clause in the new rules. Yeah. There's some. I think that they messed up a couple of details in the draft lottery uh, redos that I think need to be ironed out going forward. But they probably will. But they probably won't because it's the NHL. Um, I'm not gonna. <clears throat> um, it's it's the NHL where to verify that that they are actually recording uh, that they're recording a video on a certain day. They choose to not just show a newspaper, but they don't for some reason show an Apple phone to show the perfect exact time. No, they just won't want to, they don't want us to know when they're recording it, like in terms of time, but they'll tell us what the news. They just don't want to show the actual time like that, which is pretty easy to do. Yeah. But that is going to be it for this episode of the Hockey Puckcast. Um, you can find all of us on Twitter at our different ads. They'll be in the description of both the podcast and the YouTube channel, which is on the YouTube video, which is on Nick's YouTube channel. You can watch any of his recaps over there. Um, you can also follow the Hockey Puckcast Twitter account as well. Be sure to find this podcast on all platforms that you possibly can. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever else the heck you want to find a podcast, you can find it there. And anything else, uh, just make sure that you have if you have any questions um be sure to tag at the hockey podcast twitter account and we will add them we will discuss them in our next podcast we're going to try and get a mailbag section going at towards the end of the show but we don't necessarily have enough questions yet so if you want to start that please help us out all right that's everything so but thanks as always for joining us wally go hawks yes go hawks nick 38 days and counting till Connor Bedard's officially a black card. 38 days. And John. We got Connor Bagot. Connor Bagot. Alright. Um, my name is Tyler. This has been the Hockey Podcast, and we will see y'all next time. Take care. Music for this podcast was Cool Rock by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Find out more at creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0.